Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. China Sports Insider Podcast. I'm Hyde Ballion, and I am with the China Sports Insider and author of the new book, Sporting Superpower, an insider's view on China's quest to be the best, Mark Dreyer. The book is available right now on Amazon. I was one of the first ones to buy it. Thank you. It's great. I love it. (laughs) Mark, what's the book about and why did you want to write it? I first came to China, as you know, ahead of the 2008 Olympics and never expected I'd still be here with the second Olympics just around the corner but it's really kind of it follows sort of my arc in China it's not really a personal book though there are some personal stories in there but it's I've looked at sort of how China's sports industry has developed from those Olympics to now we've we've seen some massive waves we've seen soccer go through boom and bust we've seen winter sports obviously pushing the build up to to to, to these Olympics we've seen the government push to be the biggest sports industry in the world and of course, you know, a lot of ups, a lot of downs too. You know, there's been it's been a roller coaster ride. Li Na has won, you know, two uh, Grand Slam titles. She's been such a huge success for women's tennis. But of course, women's tennis right now is is in all sorts of trouble. So there's really everything from top to bottom. So many interesting stories that I found and and people that I've spoken to. And, and it was fun to write. It really was. It it took me about you know best part of a year. Wow. Um, and I just thought, um, hey. I got a good opportunity here and, and um, you know, I would encourage it's, I would say if, you know, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I would say it's an entertaining read. I tried to <laughs> it make is. it entertaining. It is entertaining. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say it's a fairly quick read. So, so please, please, um, please, uh, you know, consider buying an, and maybe even leaving, leaving a review, uh, <laughs> you know, it would really help and I appreciate everyone's support, but uh, it was fun. It was fun to write and, I, and I'm, I'm, I guess pretty happy with the result. You should be happy with the result. It's a great book. Keep talking. Keep talking. I encourage anyone to check it out. It's on Amazon right now, and we're gonna devote an entire episode later on uh, just to this book. So uh, watch out for that later on. For now, let's just move on to the show, and we have oh boy, a treat. Yes, we do. This we is, do. This is fantastic. We talk to Norwegian superstar skier Alexander Amot Kilda, and if you don't know him right now you're gonna know about him pretty soon yeah this dude is literally the best skier in the world best male skier in the world and what's more he's actually dating the best female (laughs) skier in the world michaela schifrin um who you may have heard of uh she is pretty 
uh, famous herself, uh, particularly in the States where, she, where she's from. So just, you know, we he talked about, well, he talked about the two of them together and how they help each other, yeah. just how they try sometimes to have this. I mean, they're basically the posh and becks of skiing. You know, they're the Jay-Z <laughs> and Beyonce. No, they, it's true, right? And it's like trying to have yeah. a normal relationship. I'm very excited. I can't wait to kind of, uh, you know, listen to that back to, to that interview again, but it was fun. Yeah, and, and something really special about him as well is that a year ago, just about one year ago today, actually, he was yeah. in a hospital room. Yeah, He crazy. torn his ACL, and a year later, he's won five World Cup events. Five. Yeah, yeah that's a solid comeback. It's incredible. <laughs> and yeah, he's definitely favorite for, for gold, but, you know, it's, it's not nailed on. There's going to be some good competition, I think, there, but definitely one of the ones to watch. Well, that, that interview is coming up very, very soon. But before that, there's a couple of pretty fascinating stories brewing here in Beijing. First of all, you may have heard about this this week. It's, con- it's been confirmed now. Tickets are not going to be sold to us mere mortals. But there are some select few who will be able to go to these events. Yeah, so so we we'd already were expecting, we were probably expecting this whole decision, if we're being honest. You know, they've been yeah. planning this for, for, for a few weeks. They had announced there was going to be significantly reduced capacities in in some of the venues. I was still thinking that the snow sports, which are outside, might be okay. Um, Haven't got confirmation of whether they will have some local groups up from perhaps Chongli and and the the areas outside of Beijing to, to kind of dot the slope so it looks a little bit more populated. But basically, in summary, there is no public sale of tickets. What there will be is some hand-picked groups uh, pre-approved and selected by the government. Um, some VIPs, some sort of business people. I think the sponsors still have their reduced allocation of tickets. There's some school children I know of have been uh, invited to to, uh, to to the ceremonies and so on. So they're trying to at least make it slightly representative. There are some 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 foreign representatives as well. Hi, I have to I have to confess here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you're a little bit unhappy about this. Uh, I am <laughs> no, actually I am, on. I'm, I'm I'm happy for you, Mark. I am actually on one of these lists. Uh, there is a hockey game that some people have been invited to. I don't know if it's it's the only hockey game that's going to have spectators, but it's the only one that I've seen. It's uh, it's China Germany, the men's game on February twelfth. Um, I am on the list currently to to have a ticket. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to get to go because there's a lot of checks. You have to have two tests beforehand, two tests afterwards, uh, and then do some some monitoring for, for a whole week afterwards. So it's, so it's still pretty rigorous. So uh, uh, from what I know, anyone who's attending the ceremonies, and, and there are uh, three events I know of that, that have some spectators. Again, no tickets available uh, publicly, but but some people will be attending some events. Yeah. One thing that you you mentioned was that, you know, you you thought possibly these outdoor skiing events might might have some some uh spectators. You know, I'm still thinking, you know, with Shogang, uh where some of the uh, aerials are going to be, that's really the one skiing event that's going to be in yeah, the city on, on the west of, of town of Beijing, I, the west I, of town. I know it it feels like a wasted opportunity to me because you know, it's outdoors. I, I I know the venue pretty well. Like the 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 seats are fairly well yeah. back from 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 the area. You could definitely keep some some distance there between the skiers and the and the spectators. Uh, and the risk, of course, as it's always been, is that every athlete, every Olympic participant who's flying in is potentially COVID positive. That's what the Chinese organizers are worried about. But I think you know the risk there. I think also though. The one of the things that they're looking at is is just more travel. So if there is are any cases, people are traveling all around town to get to these events and then go back. So if you're traveling from Beijing up to the ski hills to watch the you know the the downhill skiing, I mean the risk of 
as someone whizzes past you at 100 miles an hour, the risk of getting COVID from that is obviously microscopic. But it is just a lot of movement of people. It's Chinese New Year coming up as well. There's a lot of things at play here. One point to make, though, about Shogang was that there is a bridge right there with clear sight lines right to the, to the venue. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. to Big Air, which is right on Chang'anjie. So unless authorities close up Chang'anjie uh, on the western part of the city, then that is going to be one opportunity for people to be able to, you know, experience a little bit of the... Uh, you've, I know this venue because you've I've seen a picture of you uh, parked there with your with your bicycle. Yeah. Um, my suspicion is that uh, as soon as they realize that people are stopping in the middle of the road to uh, to watch this, they're going to probably <laughs> shut that down. Uh, but good luck. Uh, but hey... Um, we can only dream. Listen. Uh, yeah. It's so, going to look good on TV, though. It's going to look amazing <laughs> on TV. Well, you know, you, you mentioned COVID. And, you know, that's actually been something that's been top of mind in Beijing over the last, well, over the last several months, but definitely ramping up over the last week. A couple of cases now. Yeah. I mean, look, let's try to put this in perspective for people who are not here. The cases that have been reported in Beijing, we're talking about one or two over the last couple of days. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk that the, these numbers can't be trusted and that China's covering up. You know, anecdotally, it just doesn't feel that that is the case. You know, I'm just giving my honest opinion here. It doesn't feel like there's there's mass amounts of cases because we know we know people and and people would behave in terms of you know that they, they'd start to panic and so that's obviously an, an issue. What I will say is that I would uh, the level of concern has raised the fact that there are one or two and, and there previously weren't the the omicron variant is is now in china it's in a you know two or three of the cities and it spreads so fast we've seen it elsewhere so it's it's you know there is a worst case scenario where a week from now we're having a very different conversation but it's equally it could be you know one maybe two cases a day and and then they kind of stamp it out and get back to zero again uh but people are watching this um where people are talking about it in offices in the way that they weren't a month or two or three months ago. So so fingers crossed, from I think, from everyone's perspective. But, um, you know, I th- think that's where we are right now. And, you know, if you're a parent of a kid in international school like I am, you will know that <laughs> starting today, uh, the schools are going online only. My, my, my stepdaughter's school is online until February 21, which I guess coincidentally is, is one day after the Olympics ends. Well, so most of that I think is is going to be Chinese New Year holiday, right? For a lot the of local schools, sure, that, yeah, yeah, they're online right. for a week this week. That's right. Um, but and then they're on break, so it's basically just breaking a little bit early and then potentially extending that break. Uh, but the local schools would be back kind of late late February anyway. Uh, whether they go back uh, in person. That remains to be seen. We've seen quite a lot of late decisions over the past couple of years, but we'll see. Do you want to talk about this packages packages thing? Yeah, I do okay. want to talk about this okay. packages thing. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the packages. Let's talk about the packages. Hi, tell us about the packages. One of the COVID cases that was confirmed in Beijing this week was a woman who had no history of travel and she didn't quite know where she had contracted COVID. Now the authorities came out and said... It, her specific case originated from a package that came from Canada and had, I think, gone through Hong Kong. Yeah, it's 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 Canadian mail system is is the root of listen, all COVID. Listen, apparently. listen, I, I have some real issues with Canada Post, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I have a few more issues with this particular package. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say on this, and we're not doctors, but I, but you know, I've been I, I've thought about this a lot. 
they have basically told people not to have, not to order anything from overseas. Yeah. And they've told uh, people, if you do get a package from overseas, to put gloves on, take it outside, open it, uh, disinfect everything, and then throw away the packaging. And I, it just, it doesn't make sense. If they really think there's a risk of COVID being on that package and in and around that package, they wouldn't let it into the country. They would just shut down all packages being shipped in, or they'd find out how to properly disinfect these packages. It's like, it just is, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I don't know what, what else to say about it, but it's like to come up with all this, this elaborate, like how to disinfect a package and they're just going to let hundreds of thousands of people open potentially COVID infected packages. It's like, that's bullshit, right? They don't really think that. So why are they saying that? And then, you know, it leads into a whole load of other questions, which, which, you know, it's probably for another podcast, but anyway, it, it's frustrating. Like when, when that level of, when that, when that narrative is out there. So let's move on to this, our last story. This is something that we actually flagged a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is about the uh, My 2022 app that every single uh, Olympic athlete, official who's coming into China has to download onto their phones. Now, this is an app where it has many different functions. You put your temperature in, you put your health, your health information in. Yeah, so every single person who's coming over to China uh, has to log their temperature in this app 14 days prior to travel. Now, I've I've seen the app. I've, I've been on it. You can you can backfill days. It's like it's it's self monitoring. So so it's not exactly particularly strenuous. But as soon as the second version of the playbook came out, you and I went through it, and the only thing that was basically new and the only thing that jumped out was was this because it says clearly this data will be used by the Chinese government and um, you know um, the relevant government authorities now. In fairness, of course they're going to because they're trying to manage the COVID epidemic and they need this information to kind of track, you know, what the history is and, and all that sort of stuff. But given the, you know, global conversation around China and data and cybersecurity and so on, we knew that some people were going to have issues with this. And this week there's been there's been a story, hasn't there? Yeah. So, so last week I mentioned that we still didn't know exactly what was under the hood. Uh, of, of this, this, app, of this yeah. app. And and this week, Canadian researchers gave us our first look. They say that the app contains security flaws that could make it easy for a hacker to steal sensitive personal information. And that's through Citizen Lab at the University, University of Toronto. Yeah, so this kind of fits in with a lot of the, the, the foreign security services telling athletes to leave their phones behind. I know we talked a little bit about it last week. It does feel a little bit over the top for the athletes, but uh, I know a lot of... Uh, a lot of people are, are, are concerned because that's what they're reading. A year ago, Norwegian downhill skier Alexander Amut Kilda was laid out on a hospital bed with a torn ACL. Now he's back to winning World Cup events and he's the favorite for gold in the Olympics. He's flying into Beijing next week and it'll be his first time skiing in China. We spoke to him this week from Kitzbühel, Germany. Almost one year ago today, you were in a hospital bed in Austria, you torn your ACL and you had to miss the rest of the season. Two days ago at a World Cup event at Wengen, you finished first in the downhill and second in the Super G. First of all, congratulations. And second of all, what an incredible recovery. How did you do it? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been one crazy year, to be honest. Um, exactly one year ago, I was laying in the bed, just operated my knee for ACL. And uh, it's been it's been a long journey. Of course, a lot of patience uh, within it. Uh, also learned a ton from how the body reacts, how much I can do with small things to make big changes. 
And now I'm here with five victories this season, and it's been incredible so far. <laughs> it's been a little bit overwhelming, but still quite fun. But did did you ever have any moments, you know, when you're in that bed and you're thinking, man, this could be it. Like, what if I don't get back? What if I'm not back to, to where I was? Um, or is it, you know, just mentally you couldn't allow yourself to go to that kind of place and you just had to sort of look forward? Yeah, it's been it's been so many questions underway. Unbelievable how much I've been just hoping and tried to stay as possible, not positive as possible, and understood that the situation I'm in is how it is, and I can't really do much about it other than trying to do the hard work, do the small changes that can take me a little bit further every day. But it's been the patience has probably been the the toughest part where I've been feeling pretty okay, but then suddenly, you know, wow, I don't know if I will be able to start this season. I don't know if I'll be able to come back to the top level I, I was before I got injured. But uh, I always stayed positive and believed in myself. And then suddenly now I'm here and uh, it feels like nothing happened. <laughs> You're there now, but soon you'll be here where we are in Beijing. You know, I just went through your results today. Uh, for the last, you know, over the last few years, and unless I missed something, it looks like you've, you've, you actually haven't competed in China before. Is that right? That's, that's totally right. I don't think anyone on the World Cup circuit has ever uh, competed in China. So that's going to be a new experience. Yeah, so how do, you, how do you game plan for a course that you've never skied before? I don't, I don't think it's much to do other than to kind of try to make an image of how it's going to be. Because I've seen pictures, I've seen some videos, but it's, it's really challenging. But as long as it's the same for everyone, then I would say it's pretty much how to cope with it when you get there and try to be really focused and on point when you get to touch the snow, get to see the mountain, get to see the venue. And then we go from there. So you mentioned the snow there. Um, you know, at our level, well, I shouldn't speak for you. At my level, I'm just trying to get down the hill in one piece, right? At your level, obviously, every tiny little thing could make the difference between first and second, you know, podium or not podium. What it, how different is the quality of the snow from, from, from race to race? And particularly here in China, when you've got, you know, there's been quite a lot of conversations, both internationally and, and here in China, about, you know, the, the snow manufacturing and, and so on. How much of, of that can change and how much can it affect performance? It's uh, snow, snow and conditions are such a big deal in this sport. You have every different type of snow wherever you go. Like you can go to United States in, in Beaver Creek and then suddenly it's, it's dry winter snow. Everything feels like, a, feels like a cloud when you ski on it. And then you come to Bormio where it's just icy and bumpy and you feel like you're skiing on... Uh, bumpy course instead of a World Cup, uh, so we have all the values within it. And what I've understood is that China should be quite dry and cold. What I've seen is that the snow there looks actually really fantastic to ski on. But we will see. And no one's been there other than the Chinese, but don't have much information about how it is there. I know when you know if we're going back a few years when China before actually was awarded the Olympics, there were pictures of the venue that I'd saw, and it was you know brown hills and so on. I thought, well, this. Must have been taken in the in the middle of the summer. Uh, in fact, it, it was January, right? It was just it's basically you know a snowless place, and so it's all um, brought in. But it's but it's quite dusty and and sandy. We're actually on the edge of a desert here in Beijing, mm -hmm. um, and I know that some of the teams have been sort of slightly concerned about the quality of the snow and perhaps some of that sand creeping in. And I'd heard perhaps that you guys are bringing like 
a, a whole bunch of different skis. Like, mm -hmm. what can you tell us about this? Is this unusual? How, like, how many skis are you bringing and why is that? Um, yeah, I've heard some rumors about the, the sandstorms and, and the sand being in the snow in Beijing, which, uh, which is abnormal. It's really nothing we face that often. So it's going to be really interesting to see. But then, of course, in China, all the factories and, and where we have the skis are far away. So we got to bring all we have. We got to bring from top to bottom just all the skis we, we can bring uh, and then be smart when we choose uh, what kind of skis we choose for what kind of training or what kind of race we're doing and then save the sort of best ski for the more, most important run. So how many how many pairs are we talking and, 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 and who's carrying them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, I don't know how many pairs, but uh, I've heard a number like 70, 70 pairs. Wow. And wow. Uh, that's okay. quite incredible because uh, usually you travel around with maximum amount of 20, 30 pairs uh, throughout the winter. But here you really have to. Oh, throughout the whole winter. Throughout the whole winter, you'd have 20 or 30. And just yeah. for this one Olympics, you're talking about up to 70. Yeah, mostly because it's the factory is far away. And uh, if you ruin something, then you need to kind of sort of bring the factory down to China. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not carrying any one of them, so I'm pretty much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and in terms of just the, the temperatures, though, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been up to where you're going to be a couple of times now, last year and this, this last, you know, just last month. And yeah, just, just expect cold. <laughs> yeah, it's, cool. it's extremely cold, especially when the wind is coming. Wow, it's, it's, it's really, really cold. Yeah, that's good to know. You know. Let's just look over the next, you know, two to three weeks. What's on your schedule? Like, how how many more races, training sessions? When do you fly? Um, kind of give us give us an overview. So this is going to be my last week of training and racing until yeah Saturday. I have my last race here in Kitsville. I'm here right now, so I have my first official training on Wednesday, and then it's going to be four intense days, and then. I fly out hopefully on the 27th of January, if everything goes as planned. <laughs> Nothing is for sure. That's that's uh, one thing I know. <laughs> I mean, how how stressful is that whole situation? You know, like all around the world, we have athletes and delegations basically just terrified that they can't get their athletes on a plane because they'll get this dreaded, you know, positive test, or or they'll get this, you know, they won't get the health code, and and you know, we've 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 been living through. Through the, from from the China end, so we're kind of used to this 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 stuff right now. But it is it must be incredibly stressful. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you keep safe with with this variant that I think you know people aren't that worried about, but it seems so infectious. You know, it can kind of just spread mm. through anywhere. Yeah. How much is that impacting you? And that uncertainty you kind of have to live with, you know. And as I've understood, it's better to get that positive test before you travel than when you land. So. I don't know. I don't know what to do, what to say and what to do about the situation. I just have to cope with my own things and and be as prepared as possible and try to stay away from from people in general. And thankfully here in Kitsville they have great organizers and you know the crowd won't be there won't be 70,000 people like normal which sucks a bit but still it's important for us now going to the Olympics and, and traveling to China. It's it's kind of almost frustrating talking about this stuff because you know I, I first came here to cover the the 2008 Olympics like I love the Olympics I just love all the sports and here we are sort of talking about COVID and 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 all <laughs> and all the negative stuff but like 
like is the is the mental aspect uh, going to be more important for this Olympics just because of the stress of having to isolate and trying to avoid that test and you know is, is that going to play into 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 the into the race at all? Once again, though, we've gotten so used to it, you know. This is uh, this is the new normal, um, which is really sad, but still, it's a part of it. And when you have to do it, then just do it, and then try to focus on the sport and try to be positive in your kind of situation what's the most important thing is that we can do our job and have fun while doing it covid has a big impact for the whole world but luckily we at least can can compete and go to china and i think it's going to be i think it's going to be fun as soon as we're there and in the bubble then the olympics is is on and we are ready to go. Yeah, just speaking of positives, like, you know, I was just watching your race at, race at Vengen and I, I, this is not a question. I was just like looking at, I was, I was looking at your jumps and I'm like, oh my God, this guy loves to jump. This is amazing. Like you were so aggressive. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It's Hag's, Hag's fanboy question. It is yeah, my yeah. fanboy. No, I'm fanboy here. No, but um, you know, in China, there's this huge push right now to get people skiing and snowboarding. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I love it because I, as, a, as a skier myself, I, I love to see people uh, learning how to ski, being on the slopes. Do you see yourself as an ambassador for the sport? Yeah, hopefully I am. I mean, I love doing what I do and I have such a passion for the sport and it's always been there. And I love hearing that people that's never experienced the sport and get the chance to try it and have sort of the same joy I have during the winter and and trying to understand how beautiful nature is and how you can use it while just putting on a, a couple of planks and, and try to enjoy the snow down the mountain is it's quite it's quite special and it, I just want as many people in the world to experience sort of the same as I do how how aware of you are you and the other guys on tour of sort of this this push for winter sports in China you know obviously in certain winter sports China is making some some big strides in Alpine not so much you know there's still a long way to catch up as as you You'd know. But, you know, from our point of view, there's results springing up all over the place and, and there's people packing the slopes, often on the beginner hills, you know, because they are learning for the first time, to your point. Mm-hmm. But like, is this something that uh, that people talk about? Like, hey, China's, you know, China's coming or, or it's just a little bit too abstract because it's on the other side of the world? I think it's a little too abstract. I don't think many people actually actually see it and get to experience it because it's so far away. But just hearing that is is quite incredible, and I think it's really important for a sport and winter sport in in general. It being something that no no people have experienced before makes me think about it being kind of wow, is that so? And then suddenly, if people get really fired up from doing it, then the effect of a million people doing it in China is pretty high. So that that would be amazing to see the development and to see how how much effect that has on, on winter sports in total. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is it's, it's not a million people. It's it's tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions of people. That's the goal anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, that's yeah. what I, you know, my knowledge of that is, yeah, you can probably hear it now, you know, it's uh, 10 millions of people. That sounds just incredible to me that they want to try this sport. Have you have you noticed? Have you been aware of like um, you know more Chinese entrants in any of your races? I mean, perhaps it's the wrong discipline, but like in some of the other winter sports, you know, the freestyle skiing is obviously a lot of uh, Chinese and and you know widening out a bit snowboarding. But like, how much how aware of are you of those other disciplines and those other sports, um, or are you kind of like just set in in 
elite alpine <laughs> <laughs> well you see some names and see the flag a little occasionally but in world cup there's certain criteria you have to go through to be able to start this makes it harder for people to just come and, and join and also with the covid restrictions and everything it's been it's been challenging the last two years i know that they've put a lot of resources in trying to make chinese skiers and uh, they have some austrian coaches and i remember that was two years ago in chile we were staying at the same hotel as the chinese and it's quite incredible to watch them because they are so structured and so you know wanting to make that that step and and does everything the coaches tell them and it's it's a little bit inspirational too it's interesting i was going to pick up on that point about it's hard to to qualify because you know the olympics often are about stories and storylines and that's what the press sort of latches onto you know obviously we've, we've heard about eddie the eagle jamaican bobsled team now one of the stories that might get a lot of play at these olympics is benjamin alexander have you heard of this guy it sounds familiar He's, in the Grand Slalom, okay, he's a 38-year-old former DJ. He's competing for Jamaica, but he's from the UK originally. He's ranked 4,722nd in the world. And the first time he skied was six years ago when he went to Whistler for a party. That's now, amazing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so and I was just reading about him today. Apparently, the, the rules are, you know, every country can uh, put forth like one male athlete and one female athlete as long as they fit the B criteria. Yeah. And I guess he has like, okay, I guess this is the first time you've heard of it. But, but like, you don't think a story like that, like, does it does it help the sport or, or is it the other way around? Like, what, what do you think? I think that's, uh, that's really awesome. Uh, and it's cool that, you know, people that's from a whole different culture, from a whole different side of, of the actual sport, tries to, you know, join in and try to be part of it. That's, I think that's incredible. And it says also something about the sport. It's quite interesting to, to watch and people are interested into it when they, when they get a smell of it. So I think it's just a really positive. Uh, and stories like that makes tension, and the tension is good for for the winter sport in total. Now, Alexander, um, you know we know you, and many other people know you as as arguably you know the best male alpine skier in the world. Uh, in a few weeks' time, NBC's viewers in America are probably going to know you as uh, Mr. Michaela Schifrin. <laughs> 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 just, just 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 tell us how kind of how crazy that whole side to your to your life to your training how that's been over the last little while it's been just an incredible story to be honest uh from day one michaela is for sure a big inspiration to me and also a lot of other or other people as i know and we are first of all you know uh, uh, just a normal couple we we do normal things together we have normal conversations so there's nothing really really special about that but it's just uh when you attach to another person that has so many similar interests and you can just cope with things differently than being together with a girl or a guy that you know doesn't know anything what you're doing so it's it's really nice to have one that you can share experiences with discuss skiing just about you know how to handle different situations because we know we've been in the same situation for both of us that's just been been awesome and of course, there are stories underway. Like now, when I when I won this down in Bengen, there was uh, this prize giving ceremony at night, um, and it was packed with people. When they announced me on on the stage, then the whole crowd was yelling, 
chef friend, chef friend, chef friend, chef friend. I was just like, what? What now? <laughs> that was quite that was quite incredible. And then I'm just like, yeah, this has some impact to the to the world and and that's just super amazing, uh, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I mean I mean and when you were injured, I mean I must I, she must have been a big help for that as well. Yeah, and she's also been through some traumatic stuff, uh, and this is not even comparable to that. So it's just the support I got from her the first time we started chatting and and we sort of started chatting before I got injured, so we had a really good communication before that, and and then suddenly I tore my ACL, and then she was one of my biggest supports, and she was always so positive and gave me energy throughout the day. So, yeah, that's uh, it's been a big part of my rehab and also my life the last year. You're talking about just kind of life as as a normal couple. Um, I guess the other side of that is, you know, you guys are such big stars in your own right. And when we have these sort of, you know, these celebrity power couples, you know, it, it's almost kind of like one plus one equals, you know, 50. Like, like you know, you, you have, we were just checking out, you know, you have you have 60,000 followers right now on on, on uh, some of the Chinese social media platforms. That is going to balloon over the next few weeks. Um, but it, but it will, it, you guys will kind of help each other. And again, it's, it's just, it's just a, a very, a fact rather than a sort of, but you know, commercially the, the brand of the two of you is kind of just going to be crazy. Like, is that something that you're thinking about or it's just like, you know what, let, let that take care of it. Let my manager take care of that side of things and I'll focus on the skiing. That's a very, it's a very good question and a complex question because, uh, for me, being together with Michaela is just because I like her as a person, uh, and she's an incredible woman, and that's that's actually it. That's like the ground, what is should I say, ground source of it. But still, uh, a lot of bonuses comes with it too, and uh, one of them are for sure our commercial uh, value, uh, how we can try to together kind of reach new goals and take new steps and uh, show the world that we're really passionate about our sport and we do everything we can to reach our goals. But still, we can be quite normal people also. Just having normal conversations, being grounded to earth, and, and this is just something we've been working on for a long time, but it's nothing really special. It's just really a lot of passion into it, and that's special itself. I was going to say, we're, we're going to put out some video clips of this, but for people just listening on the podcast... I can tell you that uh, Alexander has this this huge kind of big grin on his face as he's talking about Michaela, and it's just you know it's 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 kind of funny like <laughs> like you're just two people really clearly enjoying each other's you know being with each other, and you just happen to be massive stars on the side. <laughs> yeah, that's it's easy as that, you know. It's uh, it's just that we share some some common things and. I guess I guess that's how it is when you when you find the right one, then things fits pretty well. <laughs> like when you talk when you talk about skiing, you know, get geeky for a while for a second here. Like, what kind of level of detail are you talking about? Like, what are, what are the conversations? You know, romantic dinner, and then suddenly you turn about like, oh, well, I was cornering. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone except all the athletes, like all my skiers in the world, would understand what we're talking about when we're discussing skiing. Because right, it's right. such on a detailed level that doesn't make any sense for anyone else. Of course, you can understand when we talk about like line, choose a line and taking decisions and stuff like that. But when we go into really technical details, then it's for her at least, it's really on a 
super, super high level. So for me to try to find her look at her skiing, then <laughs> it's not much I can come with other than just some, some more of a tactical details, which we discuss quite often. But we also try to avoid too much de- details, so we kind of screw up something that works from before. So we try to just give each other the support and try to just make sure that we fire each other up a little bit, saying that this is what you can do, you've done it so many times, blah, 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 blah. This kind of uh, conversation is which gives us more motivation and empowering to what we do. Alexander, listen, your your comeback was just absolutely inspirational. It's been amazing to watch, and I can't wait to see you here in Beijing. It's, it's, it's just in a few short weeks. So, you know, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. It's been it's been awesome, and uh, I look forward to get to Beijing and uh, and compete in a place where I've never been before, and uh, and try to also get the feeling of the culture, uh, new experiences, and uh, and hopefully it's going to be a lot of fun. Perfect. Yeah, safe travels. Thanks for the talk, guys. That's the show this week. Mark's book, again, is Sporting Superpower. Mark, where can people get more information? We can find it on Amazon, Sporting Superpower, or uh, on my website, chinasportsinsider.com. Thanks thanks for the plug. I appreciate that. (laughs) Of course. Anytime, Mark. (laughs) So if you uh, are enjoying the show, do us a favor and rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This helps the show move up the rankings and helps more people discover it. And we will be back next week. Thank you.